0: Welcome, everyone, to the fifth episode of Identity International's second webinar series, Palestine, Palestinian Beyond Conflict. This series will be running throughout the month of December on Wednesdays and Saturdays at 5 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time, where we'll delve into the evolution of Palestinian identity with our esteemed guests. To receive notifications and updates regarding the series, please follow our social media platforms. And if you have any, of, if you miss any of our episodes, please check them out on our YouTube channel. Today we'll be in conversation with Lema Nazeer. Lemma is a Palestinian lawyer, a feminist and political activist. She is a deputy chairperson of the Popular Struggle Coordination Committee, which operates in occupied Palestinian territories. She is a well-known political activist engaged in popular resistance to the Israeli occupation of the West Bank and Gaza Strip. She specializes in international criminal law, detainees' rights, litigation related to land entitlement, as well as the coordination of advocacy campaigns. Lemma is uh, constantly threatened by Israeli authorities that carry out political arrests of Palestinian activists on charges of preparing or participating in non-violent grand demonstrations. She has been arrested four times in the last three years. Lemma holds a master's LLM in international criminal law from the University of Turin. Currently she works as a diplomat and legal expert in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Lemma, thank you so much for joining us today. My first thank question, you very
1: is, much, Ms. Baha, thank
0: you very much. Yeah. My first question to you, as it is a running theme throughout our entire series, what does it mean to you to be a Palestinian?
1: Okay, this question is the easiest and the hardest for me, uh, because it's very complicated uh, answer for me, and it's very emotional and it's very uh, powerful as well. Uh, being a Palestinian, maybe some of uh, of any any person would think of being any identity, it would be uh, something related with the you uh, uh, born with being just a Palestinian. And uh, when I was young, I thought, yeah, that was my luck just to be born as a Palestinian and just to be uh, to hold uh, the whole misery and the whole pain and the whole struggle because I'm Palestinian. I could have been Italian, I could have been Spanish, I could have been any identity. But then, of course, with experience, with years, with growing up, I started to understand what does mean to be a Palestinian and to become very proud of being a Palestinian because simply it made me appreciate and it made me understand a lot of norms and a lot of even sentences and meaning of a lot of words such as justice. Like justice, maybe you can say it easily that are you You working pursuing justice, pursuing freedom. Freedom for me as a Palestinian, as a woman, and as a person living in the Middle East, something I understand what does it mean to grave it, to live it, and to just to wish a day, only a day, Living in a freedom that exactly can shape what What what, what does it mean for me as as being Palestinian? it's Um, a very tell
0: me. It's a very powerful sentiment, and I'm sure it motivates a lot of the work that you do. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it uh, it's something that I think a lot of people, especially uh, in other parts of the world, take for granted. And uh, it doesn't, you know, it might not be, it might be something that people can uh, empathize with, but not necessarily, you know, understand to its full depth because you've grown up in the actual region. You know, uh, how how has that impacted
1: you? Uh, For me, there's even me, I thought for granted, people know actually what freedom means. But someone like me who traveled a lot, who uh, lived abroad, sometimes by choice, and sometimes it wasn't my choice actually to live abroad because I was born in Tunisia, for instance, and I was traveling every year to a different country because I was forced to live with my, my family to different countries because my families were part of the PLO. So Palestinian Liberation Organization, and we were forced all the time as a whole, Palestinian in exile, to escape from a, from a country to another, So, which means uh, I didn't have any stable uh, place to remain in, but I always graved Palestine, and once we, we, we came for the first time uh, to Palestine, it was in the 1996, it was my first time arriving to uh, Ramallah. Uh, I always remember, I always knew that the love of Palestine came from my family, from my mother. My mother is a Lebanese, but she's a fighter within the PLO for Palestine. And this is how she met with my father. So I took all the meaning of Palestinian from them as a beginning, and then I came to Ramallah. And then when I arrived here, I started to understand what does it mean to live under occupation and even under colonization? I start to mean what does it mean to be to, to fight for freedom, for even freedom to go out of your house, to talk to the phone, to, to, to see your friends, even to meet with other people from, from uh, like people lives 200 meters away from you, like these small things that even when I was young, I didn't understand until I arrived here. And it shaped all your life. Like when I traveled, even by choice, All my friends from international uh, community, from different from different countries, uh, they used to take everything for granted. Like when they say we want to go to the sea, for me I used to cry. Like every time they would say we have to go to the sea today. Like for me I cannot even think of going to the sea. Like it's not even an option for me. It's not even an option for me to travel that easily because even in Europe you can travel easily in a car once you decide. And the idea of just having that kind of freedom to travel from a city to another. Uh, It was already intense for me. It was very, very emotional. And even to carry my my ID all the time, I cannot leave the house without my ID. It's like a a nightmare uh, Follow every Palestinian, which is to have your ID with you, because simply we, we, we were raised to that, because there is a checkpoint every place we go, everywhere to go. These things that people already take it for granted, for us, we need to think of every small details, even stupid aspect of your daily life. Like things even I cannot tell you because you have to come and visit and to see how the occupation, it's actually involved in every aspect of your life. Every aspect. Uh, but this is exactly, that didn't make me actually uh, weaker. It didn't make me as a Palestinian, it didn't make me uh, frustrated. Though sometimes it's, we're allowed to be frustrated, we're allowed to be tired because it's, it's not easy. But at the same time, it gives me the strength to fight it. It's given me the strength not to fight only for Palestinians. It's even to fight for all the oppressed people everywhere because I understand what pain, what struggle means, what you are craving uh, one of your rights means for any human being everywhere. And for me, this is exactly what Palestine means. It made me learn how to be human, how to fight for human rights, how to fight for every person, not only in Palestine, everywhere.
0: Much of your activism has taken you to the front lines of the conflicts. And a lot of this motivation that you mentioned has probably a lot to do with that. Uh, you, you know, as previously mentioned, you've been arrested four times in a matter of only three years, which, uh, you know, most of us haven't even faced once in our lives. Now, this perspective may be picked up on the odd news outlet, you know, of certain news channels, and even then it's a tiny little snippet that you'll catch, or maybe a tweet from one or two news outlets. But what is the actual story of what's happening on the ground. What story do you, you want to tell about that perspective being on the front line of being in Israeli prisons, facing Israeli soldiers? What is it you know um, that you would like people
1: to know from that perspective? Well, um, <clears throat> to be honest, I decided to be in the front line because every Palestinian is actually born to be a fighter. That's the rule. Every Palestinian is a fighter because every Palestinian lives under occupation or in exile or in refugee. So every Palestinian is a fighter. But for me, I decided to put myself even in more risk, in more threat, by choice as well because I didn't want to remain silent. I didn't want to remain uh, just waiting for the next violation, for the next hurt, for the next uh, uh, act from the from the uh, from uh, from the Israeli. I decided to step in and to take the act. What made me like in the second intifada, to be honest, in the second intifada we were all Palestinians were uh, involved more or less in the second intifada. I was in school; we were involved in the demonstration and the march. But you know, the second intifada ended up very badly because I always say we sacrificed a lot, but we didn't gain a lot. We didn't gain anything, to be honest, in the second intifada. So, but it was very painful. It was. A sacrifice for every Palestinian. There was a lot of destruction in the cities. There was a lot of death among all our families. It was really intense. And even my building, it it was a bombardment with the Israeli airplanes. And I remember that night. It was really intense for me that they demolished my my building and my whole family and my whole neighbors. We were like in the in the mountains, sitting in the, in the winter. It was in February, and then I, it, uh, so it was the second Indifada, very intense. And after, after that, I was going into uh, university. So I decided to focus on my study and to focus on my uh, professional and my future and not thinking about the occupation. I didn't want to be involved in any politics. I need to have a quiet life because it was really painful to go out of the second Indifada even alive, you and your family. So I decided to focus on university. And I remember after being four years, uh, a girl from the city, enjoying, uh, trying to enjoy life, enjoying university life. I remember once my friend told me, there's a demonstration all the time, every Friday in a village close to Ramallah. That was in 2009 or 2008. Uh, and they say it's an important village, and this village, every all the social media, all the news are speaking about it. So I I didn't want to be involved in any politics, but I was curious to know what's happening in that village because I even, as a Palestinian, didn't he- hear of it before, and it was Bil'in. So I decided to go one day to see what kind of uh, demonstration they're speaking about. So I went there. It was my first demonstration after the second intifada. I went there and it was a festival. For me, that was a shock. It was a whole festival. Like there was people with balloons and with music and lots of people, internationals, Israeli activists, Palestinian, of course, the people from the village, everybody were singing, and suddenly we arrived we were marching and we arrived to the wall in the village because the Israeli were building they were erecting wall in that village. So they started to demonstrate. And there the Israelis started throwing tear gas and live bullets against the demonstration. And that actually messed up my mind. Like people are dancing and they're actually happy that they are demonstrating their lands and they are demonstrating, uh, they're trying to claim the rights of their lands again against the wall. And for me, that really touched my heart. And I said, this kind of demonstration and this kind of a struggle I want to be involved in, which is the nonviolent resistance. And from that day, I decided to be, to, to, to be active in with this village, to be active with the people in the villages and to be with them in the demonstration. And from that moment, after the Second Indipada, I started to believe in nonviolent resistance because it was much more powerful. Like for me, I don't, I, don't, I don't like weapons for sure. I don't like destruction because I had enough. I lived it already while my childhood. And I decided like, I want to be human and being a human is being a nonviolence for me as as lemon. This is what I'm capable of doing, to be honest. This is exactly my feelings, my emotions. This is how uh, it directs me to act, which is through demonstrating in a very creative way against the occupation and to, to show the occupation as it is ugly. And through this image, it was, for me, more than enough for to people and to the whole world to understand what kind of mentality the occupation is carrying, what kind of aggression, what kind of violence against Palestinian, against women, against civilians, actually are protesting against, against their power, colonial power. For what? For just having security, having freedom, protect our lands. And this is the part of, resi- of resistance for me. That resistance started to grow up inside me, which is I'm gonna be part act, active part with these villages, with these communities, and uh, I'll be part of them. And then we went, I went once, to the South Hebron Hills, which is very far from Ramallah where I live. Three hours actually drive, far because of the occupation, though not because of the distance, by the way, just uh, a side note. So um, I went to that area and it took my heart to be honest. It blew my mind that South Hebron hills this is an area everybody must remember because these people live in caves literally in caves, all Palestinians in that area lives in caves. Why? Because they're not allowed to build uh, on the ground. So they live under the ground, literally. The occupation, they don't allow them to build their houses there because they call it area C, and they're not allowed, only settlers allowed to build their houses uh, on the land. So they decided to live be, uh, beneath the land. And I asked them why, you could, you could move, because I was even young, like you could move to the city of Hebron instead of staying in these south Hebron hills, which is in the middle of nowhere. And they told me that means we're gonna lose our land. It means of course we have the choice to go to the city, but we're gonna lose the area. And I started to understand the idea of resilience. What does it mean? These people resilient, they want to, to live in a very hard conditions, like hard conditions. Not every person can live in these conditions without electricity, without water. And because of the Israeli, they cut off their, they, they don't allow them to have any electricity or any water or any infrastructure. And this is exactly part of the struggle for them. And in the same day, the bulldozer came and uh, demolished one of the houses. Because even people, they they don't only live beneath the land, but they keep trying to build. And of course, Israeli bulldozer all the time comes and demolish the houses. So I was one of these demolitions in the South Hebron Hills. So the, the bulldozers, they came and they started demolishing the house. And the woman, she was an old woman, she was literally dancing in front of the bulldozer. And I was crying. I was next to her crying because her house is being demolished. And she was dancing. I told her, why are you dancing? Like, they're demolishing the house. And they said, don't cry. We're not going to let them see us cry. We, they have to." See to see us dancing because we're gonna build it again. So don't worry. When they leave, we will build it again. This is how we live and we, we have to enjoy it and they cannot see us crying. And now I start dancing with her, of course. I start because, yeah, this is resilience. This is what resilience means. And to be honest, it takes courage to dance over your destruct- destructed house. It takes a courage. It's not an easy thing to do. For, uh, for me, resistance and resilience, these two words got into my heart not only my beliefs like my heart it started to give me the power and motivation for to to learn more to to, to be even the uh, as i like to be even stronger than before and to become more stronger and to be able to fight more and more uh, for me i always say this is the start and because of what I, what I have participated in, what I have uh, learned from how to love your land, how to love your house, how to love your olive trees, how to love everything related to Palestine, it's not only love, it's even the struggle for it and how to, how to struggle, how to face the occupation uh, with strength, not, with, uh, not being a victim, but being a strong Palestinian against the colonial power.
0: Um- There were so many powerful aspects within that. Uh, I think the most touching aspect was the woman that you just described and her house being, you know, taken away from her and demolished. And, you know, you supporting her with that and her resistance and her struggle. We've stated already that you identify as a feminist. Now, what does that mean to you? And do you believe that your feminism has taken on any sort of unique attributes in comparison to the rest of the world with it evolving in the context of Palestinian society?
1: Yeah, Uh, I'm not gonna be very romantic even about uh, the life we live. Eventually, the women's struggle is a common struggle in the globe. So of course, as a Palestinian woman, I have the patriarchy in my society and I have the occupation to fight. And that's two main facts we need to uh, embrace and to know and to fight it. Uh, Of course, I live in a patriarchy community as well. As a Palestinian within my Palestinian community, there is even my own fights inside it to claim my rights as a Palestinian. And not only as a woman, but even as an activist and a woman who have uh, a loud voice and a woman who wants to fight the occupation, it means we have to fight the patriarchy as well we have to have to be part of the decision making we have to be part of the politics we have to be part of every aspect of life we have to fight for for other women even to be involved we all know if we all read about palestinian history we know that palestinian women joined the struggle and they, they we were very important part of the Palestinian struggle. It wasn't only a man's struggle, or a man's struggle in the Palestinian context against the occupation. We always, have, we always had great women, great names with us. We always had great fighters, women fighters uh, in the Palestinian history. But nonetheless, we still have a lot of aspects within our Palestinian laws, within our Palestinian communities, within our Palestinian culture, we need to break for women to be able to achieve what every woman wants as simple as that. So uh, being a Palestinian now, okay, now I'm, I'm 34, but I, I joined uh, the activism 14 years ago. So I actually, I start to grow within activism. And even my feminism starts to grow with me too. Like a lot of things, a lot of, lot of uh, uh, understanding of what feminism even means for me as a Palestinian, what feminism means to me as an activist, what, Palestinian, what feminism means for me as uh, a young woman who's trying to affect and to work in advocacy internationally for Palestine and for women everywhere. So uh, year by year, knowing a lot of women as well, we start to, to, I start, until now, of course, I still understanding my feminism and I'm still understanding the struggle of feminism here in Palestine. Uh, I'll tell you, the fight of feminism is is not easy at all, of course, as in the globe. And Palestine has a special case as well, as other countries living under oppression, but Palestine, like us, we literally face patriarchy and occupation, literally, as, uh, because the occupation is patriarchy as well, and the occupation is against women as well. And they use the women's card against you. Like during my arrest, when I was arrested, I knew exactly how the occupation plays with that card uh, because I'm a woman. Like every time they attacked me during the interrogation, of being a woman, like you are a woman, you cannot go out of your house, we have to tell your father, We have, you have your family needs to protect you, why you need to go to the demonstration. The this was Israeli, Israeli soldiers saying. Israeli interrogator, he used to tell me that in, in, the, in the interrogation. The, he used to give me a patriarchy lecture of how to be a woman. And for me, I really laughed like, really? And this is exactly the interrogation, but at the same time, like being under under arrest, the soldiers while taking you to the cell and uh, taking you out of the cell, they used to give you comments and flirting even comments, harassing Palestinian women and detainees like me. Like, ah, you don't look very Palestinian. You don't wear hijab. You look so beautiful. Your hair is beautiful. Your your glasses is nice. This is exactly what they used to tell me. And uh, that, that's what happens for me. And with other women, much more even happens. Uh, much more enduring in, in detention centers. Um, of course, this is hard. And one of the hardest things even for me, I faced during the detention center is... Uh, when you, the, when you first go to the prison, you need to be searched. And the Israeli, they have the naked search for you and they touch you and they tell you, lift your breast and go down, go up with no clothes on you whatsoever. I think this is one of the things, it was a humiliating for me, a humiliating experience. Humanizing, Yeah. And, uh, but of course, I did it with a bride. I didn't let them enjoy enjoy the moment of humiliating me. I didn't let them that. And this is, I think this is the lesson for every woman and for every uh, person under oppression, which is not to show your enemy or your uh, oppressor, your weakness, because this is how it feeds them. And we don't want them to be fed. (laughs) But to be honest, I'm one of the positive persons. I'm one of the people who looks up for the future, who looks up for the change, because I'm working on the change. Uh, I took my feminism everywhere, to be honest, in my work, in my family, with my friends, in the supermarket, in the taxi, all the time, I have a conversation in any word, any people ask me anything related, something is against what I believe in, I open up a conversation, I open up a whole conversation. And by the way, I'm one of the people who likes to speak a lot. So I speak a lot about about my politics. (laughs) So I always have conversation with everyone, with people in supermarkets, people in taxi, always there's a conversation, there's two opinions, And I always try to be friendly because sometimes even with men, you need to be very easy to speak about your rights so they can understand it because they technically they don't understand the needs of the Palestinian woman or they don't need the ambitions of the Palestinian, not the Palestinian, the woman in general. So, uh, of course, I, all the time I tried to lobby, I tried to advocate, I tried to have grassroots movements re- related to women. I was part of Tal'at, a Palestinian-led grassroots movement for, for women's rights. Uh, it was uh, created last year. Um, I'm always involved in a lot of grassroots movements related to a lot of struggles actually, and now even I'm planning to join even the animals' right because I always say once Palestine is freed, I'm going to be focused on animals' rights, like only animals' rights. Hopefully one day I'll, I'll only focus on that cause, but we have so many other causes now to worry about, which is mainly to free our country.
0: Is it getting better though, as uh, you know, in terms of women's rights and the way that sort of the patriarchy within Palestinian society is? I mean, the expectation isn't as much from Israeli society, I would assume, but from Palestinians within Palestinians. Do you think with the younger generation coming up, it's getting better in terms of women's rights?
1: Okay, I have to be. Uh, I have to see things from two point of view. The new generation is yes is aware, is very aware of all women's rights, is very aware of all women's needs. Every, every, even, even when you speak about harassment, even the concept of harassment, which is one of millions of women's rights, now the, young, the younger generation are, are having that debate of harassment, what does it mean? How should we act? The woman's involvement in work, the woman's involvement in decision-making. The new generation is having that debate. But at the same time, This is the new generation that all the hope is actually on them to carry on the struggle. But at the same time, for me, every time I get older, it makes me frustrated more and more because I understand more, because I know more, and it makes me sad more because I realize how hard sometimes to change a whole mentality. But that's the thing. I don't want to shift it to the new generation because... For them, I, don't want, I, do, I, do, I want them to develop their own culture without being affected from the older culture. But for me, I always feel I'm in between because now I'm in the middle of my 30s. So I'm in between. I'm between the older generation and now the younger generation who's, who's starting to be an activist in a lot of uh, uh, stories and a lot of things. So these two main points, I have, I'm very positive for the new generation, but at the same time, I'm very frustrated every time I grow up. And every time I understand more.
0: Well, I mean, everything that you've said so far is inspirational to say the least, even for the younger generation that is coming up in terms of Palestinian activism and uh, resistance and nonviolent resistance and the power of it. And just what you face and what you're facing on the ground, especially the stories that you just told me about the Palestinian prisons and Palestinians in uh, Israeli prisons. It's, uh, you know, it's... it, there's one thing reading about it in a book and then there's another thing about hearing it from somebody that has actually had first-hand experience all of it yeah. and it's definitely had a different impact to what i would have than reading just another news article of somebody else being abused because that just becomes a statistic how do you view palestinian identity and the way that the place that it's taken in mainstream culture at the moment do you think it's going in a, the right direction do you think that there's more that we could do to change that what what like, is, do you have any criticism of the way that it is in the mainstream? Uh,
1: in, in terms of politics and governments and world governments, I would say, yeah, it's frustrating. What is happening there, it's very frustrating for every Palestinian. But in terms of the world is going to the right, or started to go to the right, uh, or the, the right wing start to be more empowered, So the people everywhere started to go to understand what means actually the awareness of uh, radicalism, of whatsoever, what kind of radicalism. It means that they, it means to oppress, to violate, not to respect the people's freedom, not to to respect people's rights. And all the time, people are going to the left more or less, even the new generation, not everyone, but the new generation, the young generation in the whole world is going to the left. So going to the left it means you have to go cross Palestine. Because knowing right it means you need to understand about what's happening in Western Sahara, what's happening in Palestine, what's happening in a lot of areas in the world, and Palestine is one of them. So within the peoples we know we know we always knew in, in Palestine that we have the people's power, we have the people's solidarity, we have the people's uh, uh, advocating for Palestine, and we have a fighters for Palestinian uh, abroad. Uh, we don't have. We're not. We never have been uh, very hopeful from the government, from international politics, to, to give Palestinian justice. We're always gonna fight for that. But we know we're not very. We don't have any expectations, to be honest. We always believe in people's power, people's solidarity, and uh, this is exactly all the time our focus on. And even within the Arab countries, like within the normalization era now. We still believe that even if your governments have signed normalization agreements, but we know that the peoples of the countries they dismiss it, they don't agree on it, they don't they don't want it, and this is the power for us, the people, and uh, Palestinian identity. To be honest, I always say all the time after Corona, I always encourage, and this is part of my activism. I always encourage a lot of internationals to come and visit. I I'll always. Take them to a political tour, because I want to keep saying, speaking about Palestine. I can speak about it, about my struggle, about how I fight, to the rest of my life, and this is what I'm going to do. But I want them to come and for them to, to live it, because sometimes when I see it, I take it for granted, small details, maybe to, they they will actually notice. They will notice when they walk next to the wall, that there is a wall. They will notice that sometimes, I once have had a boyfriend, for instance, in Jerusalem. And I couldn't actually be with him. I couldn't have any future with him because he's in Jerusalem and I'm in Ramallah and we have a wall and a checkpoint and we have different kind of identity. So we broke up and, and, and like there is so many stories, personal stories that we can share, but it's, it's actually part of the stories that you cannot be with someone you love, someone of your families, a funeral, uh, every social aspect you cannot be with because of the occupation. So people, when they come and they see, and we in Palestine, we have a very diverse, the diverse community. So and even the occupation has so many hands and legs and eyes and features in different areas. Like we have the settlements, we have the checkpoints, we have the refugee in, in exile, we have uh, um, uh, the wall, of course the apartheid wall. We have the bypass roads, which is road for for settlers and roads for Palestinians. We have a uh, we have a violent and terrorist settlers who can attack your house. We like we have so many aspects of occupation. It's not only controlling your your life, but actually. They just want, they, we we know, the Israeli wants us to be transferred, actually, and killed or transferred. This is the ultimate goal for the Israelis, so they can have the whole Israel in the whole land. We know that they don't want any uh, uh, solution. We know that they don't want any peace solution or just solution for Palestinians. Um, and for us, we don't want any peace solution. We don't want peace now, to be honest. I'm going to be very clear in that. I always repeat that. Palestinian at the moment we don't want any peace. We want justice because justice can can reach to peace. Without justice, there's no peace. Like, and it was at the first uh, peace agreement, which is Oslo. It's the crystal clear for the proof of that. You cannot make peace without justice. You cannot hold accountable the criminals. You have to hold accountable the crimes that Israel made against Palestinians. There is so many pains, like more than 70 years of pain for every, every Palestinian on the earth. And that needs to be taken into justice and to have rights. And then we can reach peace if we want a genuine peace, of course. So
0: yeah, and yeah. On that powerful note, uh, I think we will come to a conclusion of our discussion. Is there? And I do leave this part of the discussion up to the speaker themselves as to how you would like to conclude, because that is the whole point of this uh, series, as to what would be the concluding remarks that you would like to make on our discussion today.
1: I always uh, want to say, I, I always want to uh, to say that I'm very. Uh, proud to be a Palestinian, to be honest. I'm not saying that out of a romantic idea, but actually it's very genuine. I'm very proud to be a Palestinian because being a Palestinian made me understand that how to be a fighter, how to be an activist. And to be an activist for a cause, it's something very great and very... uh, I think it's one of the highest levels of being a human being, what means humanity, and to fight for something, and not for yourself, but actually for other people and for other causes and for other uh, uh, things you believe in is a power. And to understand it and to know what doesn't mean it is a power. That's why for me, I always encourage every, um, every person to believe in something and to understand the pain of not having something and to keep your voice loud and to fight for it. Because when we fight, we can gain what we want. And for me, as a Palestinian, I want freedom. And everybody, a lot of people know uh, living in, in freedom. So I'll tell them, I want to live in freedom as well. So fight for me, fight for us, and fight not only for Palestine, but for every oppressed person in the world. And not to be part of the oppressor, but be part of the justice side. And Palestine is just the side because Palestinians can, uh, can give love, can give hope, and can give resilience and resistance against oppression. Thank you very much for your no, conversation. I love the conversation. And uh, I hope everyone actually enjoyed the conversation. Uh, And I'm always happy to receive any comments, to receive any questions into my social media. Um, Keep the fight going and uh, keep what you're doing, even. Working on it in different areas, and uh, I'm very happy. I'm very honored to be part of your conversation series of conversation about Palestine, and hopefully, I will be even one of the audience on different uh, uh, subjects related to different countries. I will be part of the conversation to learn more and to understand others people uh, uh, oppression.
0: No, thank you you so much for your insight, and that you know, thank you. it's been incredible that discussion was incredible it provided a unique perspective to the series and it definitely was an asset and i hope people can learn as much as i've learned and i've Uh, you know, the emotional aspect of it as well has kind of gripped me more than the other series as well. So I hope people can benefit from that as much as I have. Uh, You know, thank you so much for joining us today. And I would like to thank our audience too for watching. Um, Our next episode will be on Wednesday at the same time where we will be in conversation with Abdullah Maaswis. Uh, And I would like to thank everybody again from Identity International. Thank you.